This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International, and you're listening to the Warning Radio program. I have a special guest, a friend of mine, Apostle Don Beasley. Apostle Beasley, again, is in charge. He's a senior pastor of Turning Point City Church in Dixon, Illinois. I'll tell you what, uh, if you're in the area, please stop by and visit him. I think you're going to enjoy the church. You're going to enjoy him. And if you don't have a church, this is one I think you should truly attend. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we left off where we said we are going to talk about uh, millennials. We're going to talk about Christian concerts. We're going to talk about snorting coke on the pastor's desk. And if we have time, I'm going to get into the latest uh, Barna research that says only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Again, George Barna, the research he does, tremendous research. So we're going to start now again with millennials. Don, welcome back to the Warning Radio Program. Hey, thank you, sir. It's nice to be back with you. Okay, 43% headline news, Christian Post, of millennials. They say they don't care, don't know, don't believe. God exists. They just don't care. What's your opinion on this, Don? Well, when somebody says they don't care about something, like most of the time when I talk to somebody, they say, oh, I just don't care about that. The, the reality is, is that the key word there is that they, they don't know about it. Because if you can take get time to explain to somebody what's going on, like I'll give you for instance, I was on an airplane one day and I was headed to California and uh, a young man comes in and, and I was sitting in first class and this young man gets comes in and sits by the window beside me. And uh, it was pretty, you know, a lot of things were clear to me and we didn't really talk too much, whatever. But then when he woke up, he we were talking a little bit and he asked me what I do. And I said, well, I, I'm a, I'm a counselor. And, uh, because my training is in, is in, uh, uh psychology. So I, I really am a, a, a therapist. And, and so I said, I do uh, counseling. And of course he starts off with what kind of counseling you do. And I said, I do a lot of marriage counseling and, you know, this, and I, and I speak for a living and do stuff like that. So I was just, and he's just, Pound, he just keeps on probing questions and whatever. During that conversation, I discovered that he was uh, going to California, California to the funeral of his of his boyfriend's uh, father. Wow! And so you know, so a lot of things there. So anyway, he keeps on talking to me, and, and pretty soon, you know, he said, well, you know, well, like 
it, and so I finally said, well, I, I, I counsel from a Christian perspective. And the moment I said that, he started, man, I mean, he just went on a little tirade about Christians and about being bigoted and narrow-minded and, you know, judging everybody and putting everybody in a box and all this stuff like that, you know? Sure. And, and I just listened for a minute, and, you know, then he, he went on, and then he was kind of mad, so he didn't want to talk anymore. So he goes and sleeps a little bit more. When he wakes up, he starts talking to me again. And I said, you know, can I, uh, can I ask you a couple questions? And he said, sure. I said, uh, you know, you, you, you used the term bigot. Could you define what that uh, word, the, what the word bigot means for me? And so he did. And I was really taking a mental measurement of what he was saying, you know? And I said, can you define for me what it means to be narrow minded? You know? And so he explained that to me. And then he, and then I said, I, can we, can I go one step forward? Could you tell me what you think it means to be a fascist? And he, he, was, he didn't really know, he didn't even have a definition for that. And so I said, you know, the reason I asked you those questions is because we were having a conversation as two people on an airplane. And, um, you know, it became clear to me very, very early on that you were gay. And that's your business. Sure. And I, I didn't make it an issue. I, I did not talk to you. I didn't think I needed to move to a different seat or anything else like that. I didn't even say anything negative about it. I said, but it's the moment you found out I was a Christian, you start, you called me a bigot and you called me narrow-minded. And I said, but the reality is in our conversation, I would like to ask you by your own definitions, who was a bigot and who was narrow-minded? Wow. He was, he was spellbound. He didn't have a word. He just, his mouth kind of fell open. And I, I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm just saying that, you know, we throw those words around and to people who disagree with us. And so it's okay for me to call you a bigot. Yet I can even act like the bigot that I'm saying you are, even if you're not, you're still the bigot. And so we use those terms to just define people we don't like, or don't, we don't know or whatever. And so the whole thing comes down to, you cannot care about something that you do not know about. And the reason we don't know is because we're ignorant. So we went up, well, we got off that airplane. I gave him my card. And I said, if you ever need to talk about anything, you know, you're always free to call me. And he took my card, and we, before we got off that airplane, he told me, I want to apologize to you, sir. Wow. He said, you, did, you didn't do anything but be kind to me and nice to me. I even tried to minister to him in the loss of this person that died, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and not in a religious way, just a basic way. Sure. But, you know, here, here he was, and that, that's kind of in that millennial mindset, you know. They think that way, and the reason that they don't, they don't know any better than that, but if you can find a way to help them to break through their ignorance, uh, then they understand they don't know. And, and that's the problem. You can, you, when you don't know something, then you can't possibly care about it. No, you're right, Don. And I, I think the main problem is, is, as you said, there's a lack of knowledge. The Bible says a lack of knowledge, people perish. And why do they right. have a lack of knowledge? Well, we get into the public schools, the universities that are anti-Judeo-Christian views. It's led by Marxists and and uh, all of these type of people that, that are teaching them a total different value system, according to the United Nations. And, uh, and then um, we talked before you and I about how I believe the primary you know, reason why, even though society is so against Judeo-Christian values, but yet even in the home or in many churches behind the pulpit, they are not speaking the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Done. Right. That, that's the truth. I mean, even 
even in the, the Bible, it even says, how can they believe if they have not heard? Exactly. And so it's impossible for people. People are just going up one day and believe in the gospel they've never heard of. And we've created this gospel into this feel-good thing, you know, that's no longer. But the, but the gospel, the real bottom line of the gospel is that and when you look at like Ezekiel and, and Jeremiah, when it says that the time is coming when God's going to put his law in our hearts, you're going to write it on the flesh of our hearts. And we won't need another man to teach us because we'll all know that, that what what we're talking about there is a conscience, but in that passage of scripture it says that the main thing is going to be the draw to people is that God is going to forgive your sin. Amen. And that's still that is the primary part of the gospel. Jesus died on the, not to make us feel like better people; He died to forgive our sin. That's right. You and know, the- so it, and so it cleans our conscience. So we. That's the, really the good news, and I think we need to just get back to preaching the good news to people, uh, you know, this and that, because I say, are you a sinner? Have you committed any sin? Then the good news is, is your sin can be forgiven. Yes, yes, you know? yes. But we don't even preach that anymore. Well, I think this leads right into the, the next thing is uh, I'm going to jump a little bit of my, my order of, of these articles, but the Christian Post, only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Research from George Barna Fines. Again, only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview, according to research from the notable evangelical pollster George Barna, released as part of a new endeavor with a Christian conservative advocacy organization, Family Research Council, FRC. President Tony Perkins said that the center is designed to give Christians a firm foundation so they can engage the culture by being rooted in God's word. Quote, Every Christian can and should obtain a biblical worldview, which is only achieved when a person believes that the Bible is true, authoritative, and then taught how it is applicable to every area of life, which enables them to live out those beliefs, unquote Perkin stressed in the statement. The data found, among other things, that while 51% of adult, you know, American adults said they have a biblical worldview, only 6% of American adults ha- actually Hold this view. Again, something you just explained. Now, Barna drew the conclusion of inconsistency among the 51% reporting a biblical worldview by noting that many of the questions to determine worldview found this group technically outside of what the pollster defined as a biblical worldview. For example, of the 51%, 49% said that reincarnation was a possibility after they die. Meanwhile, only 33% said they believe that human beings are born with a sinful nature and can only be saved from the consequences of sin by Jesus Christ. Quote, Christians have a duty to stand against prevailing cultural tides and proclaim God's truth to a dark and wandering world, unquote. Perkins said, quote, but before you stand, you need a solid ground. Again, that's what you just mentioned, Don, that you, you say you believe in the Bible, but in reality, when you ask a few questions, uh, you're not following the Bible's morality, value system, culture. Uh, you're, you're not. You've been uh, synchronized into the culture of society. And I think the key, the key to understanding worldview, at least to me, is this, what's at the center of your worldview. Exactly. And so a, a, a Christian worldview has a God-centered worldview. So God, as he has defined himself in the Bible, is the center of your worldview. Exactly. And then his word 
it's the only way you can know him is by how he's defined himself. So we don't get to define God as we want him to be. He is who, how he has revealed himself to be in the Bible. And so that's the sin. And then the man, you know, then all, I think all other worldviews are man worldviews and they're man centered. Man is at the center of their worldview. And so man puts himself in the center of that worldview. And then somewhere out in there, they add God to one of their, you know, one of their um, different uh, strategies or whatever they have, you know, maybe just in case he's real, I want him over here so I can have some kind of relationship with him. And that one is not ba- is based on feelings, which, you know, feelings are always changing. And now we live in a culture that everything is about, oh, you can't hurt somebody else's feelings. And so everybody's truth, it, when you look at it, it says, speak your truth. When they, when you dig down into that, it's always about their feelings. You hurt my feelings. Yes. You didn't, yes. you didn't, you didn't, you didn't uh, assault my truth. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> yes. And so it's not even a matter for them. It's not, they, they, they want to talk about truth, but truth is just whatever they say it is at the moment. It'll be this today and something else tomorrow. Right. Right. But their feelings are connected to it. And so I think that that, that, that creates a, and that, until we're really willing to deal with what causes that, because when you you know when you look at the sons of Issachar when it said they knew their seasons and that they knew what to do about it, what they did was is that God was changing His order in the king. He had rejected Saul, and He had anointed David, and they brought their over two hundred leaders of their of their clan, and they said we're going with David. That's what they knew. They knew that God had shifted His order had changed his mind and they were the, one of the first people to recognize what God had actually done. And I think that what we need to understand is that today God is, he's made some, he's making some moves and some changes. He's coming against like the, the problem with Saul was what he came against is that Saul was told to go into an area and take out an entire giant lineage. That's why it said, you know, we don't understand why God said take out the men, the women, the children, and even the animals. Is because they were all they were all part of this contaminated giant line that was there. Yeah. So he he didn't do what he was told to do, and he was rejected as the king over that because his job was to look after God's people, not to fear God's people so much that he'd do what they wanted to do. Exactly. God needs a leader who will not succumb to the feelings and the nature of men, but will do what God says, even when the men threaten to kill him. And, and that's the uh, problem well, behind the pulpit today is a lot of pastors fear what their congregation uh, think. And so instead of speaking the unadulterated word of God, they compromised for their flock. Right. You know what? It's again, they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. Some days I tell people I'm, I'm getting ready to stomp on some toes, so you might want to pick your feet up. <laughs> Just lift them off the floor because I don't want to intentionally hurt your feelings, but this could sting. Yeah. And, yeah. It, you know, when I say that, I'm, I mean, it's going to sting. It even stings me. It's going to sting everybody yeah. <laughs> because we are so accustomed. We're so accustomed to hear, hearing that God is this gray-haired grandpa in the sky that gives you everything you want. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they think he's the Pink and, Panther, right? Just whatever you know, it, it, and it's it was because we've we've created a god in our own of our own imagination, Santa Claus, rather than 
worshiping a God who has revealed himself to us in spite of the contamination of our human nature. Amen. Yeah, Perkins, Tony Perkins of Family Research Council, again, his quote was, every Christian can and should obtain a biblical worldview, which is only achieved when a person believes that the Bible is true, authoritative, and then taught how it is applicable to every area of life, which enables them to live out those beliefs. Again, that's what you were saying. Yeah, exactly. Now, ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to the Warning Radio Program. Special guest, Apostle Don Beasley. Again, he pastors uh, Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. Now, Don, I want to I wanna, uh, switch a little bit to Christian concerts. Uh, I know you know some about this. Uh, uh, why don't you share a little bit? Well, first of all, I want to I say that, you know, I'm not opposed to Christian music and guitars and drums and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm not a person that says, you know, we can't have what would be termed a rock and roll or jazz or other kinds of music like that. I mean, we all have different tastes in music. Sure. And so I, want, I wanted to say that up front. You know, okay. I, we have really great contemporary worship at our church. And I think that, you know, there's a lot in the Bible and the Psalms about, you know, worshiping God on all these instruments and, and all this different stuff. Oh. So I really, I'm a strong advocate that worship's a great thing. But then when we talk about, you know, contemporary, I, you know, anytime you put the word contemporary in front of something, you know, now you've got to really always be willing to, to measure and judge what you're talking about. Because you could very easily take the word contemporary off and just call it worldly. And when you do that, the Bible has a lot to say about worldliness and about the contamination of worldliness and how little of it it takes to really get a hold of us. And so when I first came into Christianity, they were just starting to have these contemporary Christian concerts and, you know, they're, you know, big name people, you know, and, it was uh, really, they were being called, and they still do call them like evangelistic. Now, I'd be the first one to say there's a lot of them that are really evangelistic. They reach a lot of people, and in their concerts or whatever, they have altar calls. They preach the gospel. I, I appreciate them, and I think they do an incredible job. On the same measure, there are people that get involved in Christian music because they couldn't cut it in regular music. And it's a wide-open place for people that really are not Christians to move into this Christian genre of music and to get a following and to, and and to literally make a pretty good living doing it. And they're not, they don't, I mean, they claim to be Christian, but they they don't go to church. They're not under a pastor. Uh, You know, they're not going to be corrected by anybody. And the lyric of their songs is very, uh, you know, it it, uh, really gives them away. Betrays them in a certain way. So when I first became a Christian, they were starting this stuff up, and I went to one with my pastor, and and I I had just come out of that lifestyle, so I, everything was just like it, and I we had a lot of long conversations and whatever, and it really became to me, you know, my response to him finally was as simply as you know we're going to build this bridge, we're calling it evangelistic, it's going to reach people, it's going to make the people able to reach kids we could never reach before, and and I said, what if we find out that the bridge is leading is just building a we closed the front door, but opened the back door to this, and it's leading our kids right out the back door of the church. Are we going to be willing to blow this bridge up? And uh, the problem is, is now, you know, you have a lot of people from that, that era of Christian music that they won't even let them be involved in their stuff now because they're, they try to call them out. They're more, they're more prophetic and whatever. 
and because of that, they they don't. And so they now they have open lesbians and homosexuals and open sexual immorality, where they just fornication, all different kinds of stuff like that going on. Nobody can challenge it because they're not under anybody's authority. Sure. I love one of the groups I love is Mercy Me as a group that sings incredible music, but they, they, they're the youth leaders and the worship leaders in their church. And they don't do very many Sunday concerts because they're home for church every week. They have pastor. Yeah. It's into their life, you know, you bet. I, I really do. I, I respect them so much for that, you know, because it, that has to be quite a, a, a hassle for them just in the whole the way things work and whatever to be able to get back home for church, which is a big deal. Yes. And so, well, I totally agree with you, Don. Yeah. So the question really was just whether or not we're going to, how we're going to deal with all this. And then it, I was just saying, you know, that like Mercy Me does this thing so they get back home to church every week. And so I think that the key today is, is that if there's one thing that we learn from the Bible, we have to be actively engaged in a church. We have to have spiritual leadership over us. We have to have people speaking into our lives, and we have to have people telling, speaking to us about and no one just gets to be uh, an island to themselves in Christianity. That's a, that's a formula for a nightmare and a disaster when we start trying that. Yeah. So that, that's the big problem that we have. And so when I this Jesus Midwest Festival that went on, what happened is one of the groups, I won't say their name, but they got in trouble because they were going across America in a particular uh, they were involved with a particular uh, denomination, and they had they were they were their desire was to snort coke off the desk of all the pastors in the churches that they were performing in. Oh my! And then they got caught. They got caught doing that or whatever. So I'm not here to berate anybody or whatever. But that's that's the kind of stuff that happens whenever we don't have any spiritual oversight. And so when it comes to Christian music, is not is not a, a spiritual gift mentioned in the Bible not apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. And all of the things that we do in Christianity have to be under God's uh, governance and leadership. And so anything that we do, and we find more and more, and so what you find out about ministries, like called ministries like that, they're actually uh, parasitical. You know what a parasite does? A parasite sucks life out of the host. That's right. And so they suck, they suck money, energy, and time, talent, and treasure from the host, which is the church. And, and if, if they, those groups, those people that do these different kinds of ministries, they are dependent completely upon the church of Jesus Christ to source them with the resources they need to do what they do. Yeah. And uh, therefore, you know, they take, but they don't never really put anything back. Well, that's it. And, and, like you mentioned before, you and I both love good worship. We love it. I, I love worship. Yeah. And uh, you you have great worship. And I know here for the staff services, we have great worship. And I, I love it. But uh, again, there's a difference between actually worshiping God and performing as an artist, a Christian artist, where it's filled up with your pride and vanity, drawing attention to yourself and, and capitalizing on the church, as you mentioned. And so you, we must be under authority. You said that we must. These people must be under authority. Uh, they should attend a church where they can be accountability. 
And uh, that is protection for them. It's protection for the church at large. Uh, an island against itself cannot stand. A person says, I don't need to go to church. What's well, like saying, I don't need a house. Well, go into the four seasons right. and see how fast you die of the elements. We, right. we need the church of Jesus Christ. We need covering, right. all of us do, or you go into heresy. Done? Even, even in the, I think it was, uh, you know, it says, don't draw a, a disciples after yourself. Exactly. We, we, we're, we're, we lead people to Christ and we bring people into the church. And we are Christians, Christ followers, who belong to the body of Christ, which is the church. It all works together. And so we should never be trying to draw out any these little things by ourselves and doing all these different, you know, mono-e-mono type deals to see. Because you can do that. I mean, you can you can be successful. You can raise enough money to, to make it happen and survive and do all those different kind of things. But the reality is, is that we're part of what, we're part of the church of Jesus Christ. We have a mission to reach the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. And, uh, you know, it's this, is that really happening? Amen. Are we really seeing people coming to Christ the way that they should instead of seeing? In the book of Acts, it says, and they were being added to the church daily, those who are being saved. Amen. And, uh, Ladies so and all the people are going out and reaching people, yeah. but they're being added daily to the church. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Warning Radio Program, special guest, Apostle Don Beasley. Again, Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. May God richly bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.